What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. And I am delighted to say I am joined today by Brad Wharton uh, to look ahead to Cage Warriors 141. The, some, some might call it the biggest card in, in the last few years for Cage Warriors. It's before UFC London, the 20-year anniversary Lots of big names on it. The the lightweight title, which is uh, you know a, a, a steep history, I suppose, in cage where it's atop the card and some of the best prospects as well on the card throw. Brad, how are you today? It's a very 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 warm UK and Ireland these days, so I'm already sweating buckets here. I, I you're you're better dressed than me with the the kind of loose <laughs> t-shirt. I I'm here just dying, but we'll get through it anyway. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm good, mate. As you can tell, I've had to break out the old uh, hotel Tropicana gear. Um, it's very, it's very warm. It's too warm, I'll be honest. And, and much like you, I've had to turn the fan off. Uh, oh, we're doing this, but it's, it's the worst. I, am, I am looking forward to getting it back on afterwards. What's the what's the drink of choice today? So is it a is it Vimto as always? Are you getting out a few lilts or a bit of Tropicana? It's, or it's, it's just it's just water at the moment. It's just water. I'm I'm swallowing it as fast as I'm sweating it out. So just keeping dehydrated, I might treat myself to a nice cold beer later on. You know? Nice, nice, nice. Well, we're a few days out from the card anyway, so the, 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 the performance won't be, uh, won't be hindered by that. Come well, here. Uh, <laughs> unless you're going to call 37 fights at the Cage Warriors Academy tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, so. right. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe it will be so, but... Looking uh, forward to that. <laughs> God almighty, 37 fights. Oh, God, that should be that should be fun. I remember uh, I went to a KSW, that KSW show that was on in Dublin the day after one of my friends tortillas and it was like a two-hour driveway and honest to god i just i was just sitting there and it was you uh, anyone that's been in the ksw show knows what a ksw show is like it was like i was in the middle of a dream <laughs> so weird the, the day after is is uh is always an experience when you've had a few drinks like before but i'm sure you won't be i'm sure you won't be going mad there will be a few drinks had though next friday night with the 20 year anniversary of, of cage wires before we get into the card it's crazy that Cage Wars has been around for 20 years, and I know there was a bit of a hiatus, I suppose, in the around the middle, I suppose it would be. It was a good few years ago now at this age, maybe five or six years ago. Um, but it, Cage Wars has come back stronger than ever. Again, has some of the, the best talent. You know, we've seen Ian Gary, Paddy Pimblett, Molly McCann, and others go, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. And then before that, we know the likes of Bisping and Dan Hardy and Conor McGregor and all. Well, if you could sum up, it's a very hard thing to do. What Cage Warriors has meant, just just to have like this uh, known entity, I suppose, in mixed martial arts, for mixed martial arts in this side of the world for the last 20 years. Because, look, we've had some good places and good promotions putting on some good fights, but not with the consistency of Cage Warriors. And also, and you know, people can say there's positives and negatives for all different sorts of promotions but the consistency with getting people to the UFC as well it's a it's an organization not like many in the world is and as uh, someone who's obviously part of it now as well it must be special to, to be a part of that yeah absolutely I mean funnily enough my first ever cage warrior show was the 10th anniversary the first one I actually worked uh, for them for obviously I've been to many before as a, a journalist and, and before that a fan as well um so it was cool, like coming in and like make it. Um, my job at the time was to make video content around the 10th anniversary, uh, and to be here 10 years later for 20th anniversary is just absolutely nuts. And, and I think you've got the nail on the head, mate. It's it's the consistency of it. It's become an institution in UK MMA now. Um, you know, there's been so many people go through the doors, 
and achieve their dreams. And, you know, for, you know, most young kids starting out in this sport, that the dream is to be a UFC world champion or to, to fight in the UFC at least. And Cage Warriors has just been that proven pathway for so many guys over, over the last 10, uh, especially the last 10 years. Um, you know, if you, if you look at everyone who's held a Cage Warriors title and then got onto the UFC, so it's a very high percentage. Um, so, yeah, it's just an institution. It's great to be part of it. Uh, it's the, there's so many people working so hard behind the scenes that you know maybe we don't see and don't get enough credit and it's just fantastic to be a part of a group like that um you know leaving our little mark on this corner of the sport 100 percent. i think the the thing i've always been uh not shocked by but like surprised by when i went to a cage war show like i've been to lots of obviously local shows around here not as many too because we don't we don't have as many essentially but a lot of local shows you know it's they might take a cage from the from a gym or you know you know it's and they're doing their best i'm not criticizing or anything but you know you've someone up and coming maybe their first year four fights fighting on a show like that and then they go to cage warriors and i remember the first cage warriors card i went to um or I went and covered was uh, was it the Pindred Shea Mills one or maybe there was one before that but anyway I was in the Helix in Dublin and I couldn't get over we we were inside interviewing you know whoever it might have been Graham or, or you know I remember once we were interviewing Joseph Duffy as well and I come out and the whole crew was there taking the cage apart and it was like a crew of I don't know you know six or seven guys or whatever it might be and they were pulling it down as quickly as we were interviewing Graham or whatever it was and I was like there's a level of professionalism here you know that you don't get in other places and for the fighters to have you know their walkout with their music fighting in an octagon now as well you know the same cage as they fight in the UFC and it's just that that step from you know primary school to secondary school I suppose to college with the UFC where cage wires is at a kind of a level where it's different from regional or local MMA and you know you you, you can go on you can watch your fight and fight pass afterwards you can listen to yourself and Dan Hardy and and you know uh, Dan Strauss as well or uh, Paul Redmond as he did a great job the last time uh, you know giving the expert commentary on it it's just a different sort of level and I think that has really helped guys when they have gone to the UFC and I do you know what it's actually probably hindered guys recently because it's like I, I spoke to Jai Herbert the other day and I think lads have actually been getting tougher matchups because they've re, you know he, um, I was going to call him Ian Dean Sean Shelby and uh, and uh, Maynard have kind of realised I think that the Cage Warriors Pat is very you know different to any other Pat and they're more ready than other guys and that's been, been a bit tough but it, it must be great a few before we get into the cards a few of the names that you know have come true some some people that is there any kind of story of someone you thought ah oh, you know seen a couple of their fights and think maybe this guy isn't going to be that next thing they kick on and they get to the UFC or is there any anyone that stands out to you any story that stood out to you over the over the 20 years in cage warriors that you always kind of think back on i mean for for me personally uh, a big one is is always paddy um you know from like knowing paddy being very very young and his, his first few amateur fights uh, to see him kind of come through the, the cage warrior system and, and how he sort of evolved and became like a legit star outside of the UFC, which, you know, not many people do even, you know, in other shows like, like, like cage warriors, for example, not every cage warriors champion is going to sell out a huge arena like the echo arena. So seeing Paddy go from like this skinny little kid with a shaved head, uh, you know, a little string bean lad of, of, of 16, you know, beating a 24 year old guy in his first, uh, his first ever fight. Um, to sort of be in this star and this kind of like almost a cultural icon in Liverpool. I remember being in um, 
you know, coming out of Lime Street Station and getting in a taxi, and the taxi drivers are talking about Paddy Pimblett. And it, it, it's just nuts because in, in this country, and I'm sure in Ireland as well, you know, outside of the Conor McGregor's and, and, and the Michael Bisping's, et cetera, it hasn't really permeated, you know, the taxi driver conversation sort of level yet. So, you know, to see Paddy and Chris Bishgold and Molly up on the big billboards around Liverpool uh, was amazing. And to see him now in the UFC being successful uh, and also, you know, making a lot of money doing so, it, it, it's, you know, for me, it's everything that's good about Cage Warriors. He, he was given the opportunity to develop. He was given fights that tested him. He didn't win them all. Um, uh, he was given the right fights, I think, at the right time in his career. He improved so much over those last three years with Cage Warriors, and he's in the UFC in a position where he's probably, you know, the best he's ever been. Yeah, and that, that's the one great thing about Cage Warriors. And I think fighters on this side of the pond are, are a bit lucky as well because they have Cage Warriors, but they also have, like, the media that came up with McGregor, who, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I throw myself in there, get myself a pat on the back, but others as well who can get their name out. Like, look at Ian Gary. You know, he does a, an interview with me, he talks about, you know, not wanting to sign for, for Bellator. No one wakes up in the morning wanting to sign for Bellator. The week after, he goes out and he gets a big knockout in Cage Warriors and suddenly the star rises. You know, and I feel like I put up a tweet the other day about Conor McGregor. It's like, we'll never see the likes of McGregor again in the UFC at the very top. But what we will see is people like McGregor, like Gary, like Paddy coming through with Cage Warriors. Because it's the funniest thing to say, but Paddy Pimblett in Cage Warriors was a thousand times bigger than Conor McGregor in Cage Warriors because Conor McGregor had already paved that path for him. So we're looking for the next Conor McGregor. Now, Paddy probably isn't going to be that, if you know what I mean, in, in certain ways. But his star was able to rise bigger because of it and because of the media and because of Cage Warriors being more of a known entity and McGregor paved that pathway. So I think in future, we're going to see more guys, whether it's Paul Hughes or whether it's one one or two of the guys on on the card we're just about to talk about. It's very, very fun and very cool to have something like that on our doorstep. And obviously you being part of it uh, as well is is very, very exciting for you. But let's get into the card anyway, because we could spend an hour talking about this. Maybe it's it's one for another podcast the other day. it's a very, very good card. <laughs> there are some fights in this. Uh, uh, we could spend a half an hour talking about Aggie Sardari versus Mike Figlak, but we'll start, we'll start at the top because uh, we, we'll get into that in a second. Kyle Driscoll versus George Hardwick. Uh, obviously, for the uh, the lightweight championship here, the first fight, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, where it's the American Cage Warriors uh, guy coming over to fight the European Cage Warriors guy in Europe. Um, in an when this when the American Cage Warriors started, it's it's something, and I, I won't I won't lie now. It's not something I've been able to get into yet. But I think this might be the start of it, you know, because it it, fe- it feels like Cage Warriors is for us and Cage Warriors America is for them kind of. And now that's probably not the way Graham Boylan or yourself or anyone wants it. But I think fights like this really will help. What what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on, on this one? It's it's a big fight for for both guys, isn't it? Kyle Driscoll, who's almost in the UFC, you know, he probably got unlucky the fact he was in the NOI Contender Series in twenty. 2020 and he won his fight well I watched it yesterday if he if it was a year later if it was 18 months later he'd probably be in the UFC now because then Hawaii was signing everyone at that stage but he got a bit unlucky and whereas George Hardwick we know how good he's been over over uh, the last while great fight isn't it but an important fight as well for Cage Warriors to maybe blend those two brands something which Graham has always wanted yeah well technically if you go back to 2010 Cage Warriors had a couple of shows in America and Jim Allers uh, fought on those shows. He ended up uh, coming and fighting in Europe and being the Cage Warriors champion. So, um, but but yeah, since this kind of uh, Cage Warriors uh, California, you know, this sort of SoCal uh, fight scene that's, that's so big um, over there, 
you know, it, that is, as you say, very much for that part of the world, uh, it feels like. So it's cool to finally have the two crossover. I think, you know, Graham said from the start, the plan was, you know, for always somewhere down the line, you maybe have, uh, you know, either a, a Cage Warriors US champion fighting the Cage Warriors Europe champion, or just have the one Cage Warriors title belt and have the guys who are winning in the US come over and vice versa. So it's exciting to see. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward uh, to, to the fight. Like you say, Driscoll, perhaps a little bit unlucky not to be in the UFC already. Um, he's certainly doing everything right in the run-up. He's training with uh, with a great team, AKA, obviously, you know, there's there's been uh, video and stuff of him training with Habib. Uh, so you know what this guy's going to do, right? We saw it in his last Cage Warriors fight. We saw it in his fight in the Contender Series. He's going to be coming out. He's going to be looking to drag Hardwick all over the mat, put him up as against the cage, make it a, you know, a real in fight, nice and close, nice and gritty, uh, and just grind him down. Hardwick is kind of the polar opposite. Like he's just a wild man in the cage. He's going to be slinging elbows. He, he, he may be happy to be up close in the clinch where he can get some of these elbows off and, and more, um, more so going for the neck as well. We know he likes to jump on the neck. He's been training with the next gen guys. Uh, you know, they've got big fights coming up uh, in the UFC uh, the day after. So the, you've got to believe the training atmosphere there is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, I know both him and his brother have been training up with the next-gen guys. Obviously, his brother Harry had uh, a great fight on the last Cage Warriors, went, went, to, uh, went to a draw, I believe, uh, in a real slugfest. Um, so look, we, know, we know what they, those guys bring. For me, the, kind of, the interesting factor here is what happens if it goes into the fourth and fifth round. Will Driscoll be able to keep uh, his, his defenses up? Will he be able to keep that neck safe? Uh, when he starts getting tired, because we know that Hardwick's going to make him work and work and work. So for me, this is one that could well be decided in the championship rounds. Yeah, it's a very interesting fight. And, you know, George Hardwick isn't getting any easy fights from, from Ian Dean anyway, because that Lucas Capera fight as well. I went back, I watched that, it went back as well yesterday. And, you know, it's a really tough matchup for a, a striker like George Hardwick. But I, I think... What you said there was a great point about the you know the strikes from the clinch that George Hardwick does. Like it, it can e you can easily get caught up in looking at someone and they're this you know a kickboxer or taekwondo or whatever might be on the outside and they can throw these lovely kicks and lovely you know punches from the outside. But if you can't do that dogged work inside, you're going to be taken down and beaten by guys like Capera, by guys like uh, Driscoll all the time. And I think that's one thing that Hardwick does very, very well and something that I've been impressed uh, by with him. And I think that's why Ian Dean has given him a matchup like this that he's, you know, he's really, really good in those situations. And I'm interested to think, so yeah, sometimes you forget it's going to be five rounds or it could be five rounds anyway. And uh, it, it's interesting to see if, like, uh, the obvious training that Hardwick has been putting into those positions over the last while will give him that sort of cardio. You know, we saw, we know wrestlers can wrestle for five rounds, kickboxers kickbox from five rounds, but when you put a kickboxer wrestling and a wrestler kickboxing, it can be a very, very different thing. And um, I wonder, will that, uh, you know, help Hardwick the fact that he's been really really concentrating on that seemingly if you know from the outside over the last few years help and conversely if if Driscoll gets into a kickboxing match will he be able to stand up to it well you know another interesting thing to think about as well is that Hardwick uh this is the third time he's been um lined up for a cage warriors title fight so he, he was supposed to fight um Mehdi Ben Lakdar I believe originally and then he was supposed to fight um an Italian guy in March so he's trained for two title fights that he's not got you know, he only took that last fight against Capera because he wanted to compete. 
Um, obviously, Capera was was coming up a loss, I believe, so they weren't going to do that for a title. And he, he was just like, "Look, just just get me that fight." You know, he's he's been training for a five round fight for you know the best part of you know maybe nine months now. So you've got to believe a he's going to be ready for it, and b he's going to be chomping at the bit to get in there. He he believes that this title should have been round his waist back in December of last year. Um, so he, you know he's going to be uh, having no intentions of of, uh, of going back up to the northeast without that gold around his waist, uh, and and Driscoll the same. You know he wants to come in. Um, you know his last two fights, as you say, on the contender series, maybe unlucky not to get signed. He went to a decision. He went to a decision in his last fight, and he spoke before that last fight about wanting to get that kind of trademark finish. You know, wanting to really go out there and, and put it on a guy. He didn't get that, so there's going to be the the onus on him as well. He doesn't just want to you know, win a boring five-round decision, taking a guy down, laying on top of him, he's going to want to smash Hardwick. He's going to want to finish him. And I think that's all the uh, ingredients for a great fight. What about the co-main event in the, the flyweight title is on the line? Uh, Sam Creasy against Dylan Hassan. I don't know, is there a fighter in the world that has a weirder last two fights than, uh, you know, than Sam Creasy? Obviously with the, the guillotine choke that kind of never was and then the missing weight and losing to Shanks in a non-title fight. So he kept his title and obviously Shanks, you know, wasn't going to get that, that fight again after that. Uh, how, how, before we get to the actual fight itself to, to Hazan, how big a fight is this mentally for Sam Creasy? Because, you know, a lot of people would wilt under that. We've seen Creasy before, you know, he's lost fights and come back and he's gone on great runs after, you know, big losses and things and, and knockouts. It, it's, it's a massive fight for Sam Creasy here, isn't it? Just from a mental point of view before we get into anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, no, nobody wants to be hanging onto a title belt on a technicality. You know, I'm sure if it was up to Sam, he, he'd, he'd have given Shanks the belt afterwards. Uh, he's that kind of guy. You know, he's a, he's a true martial artist. That's that's kind of, you know, who he is as a person. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a shadow hanging over him at the moment. Um, how how he's, he reacts to that mentally, I would say he's probably going to react to it okay. You know, this, this is, he, you know, he's not a, an 18-year-old kid in his first couple of fights. He's been around the block. He's been fighting for a long time now. He, he knows the score. Uh, and he knows what he's got to go and do. But yeah, I, th I think definitely at the back of his mind somewhere, there's got to be that little thing of, well, look, you, you've got to earn this belt and you've got to do that by winning fights. And he's going to go and want to make an example out of Dylan Hassan. It's a great fight as well. Like uh, Dylan Hassan is is a monster. What is he, 8-0 now in his career? Uh, his last fight against Bruno, he almost got submitted with a, like a calf slice or something. It was great that uh, uh, that your co-commentator Dan was on there to, to run through that jiu-jitsu battle there at the very start of that fight. And to come through something like that and win, you know, he fought Josh Reed as well. To be, If you beat Josh Reed, I've said it many times, you know you're a good fighter because your only good fighters beat Josh Reed. You know, he can do it all. He can strike, he can wrestle. I think his striking is improving, but he's an absolute beast when he, you push him against the cage when he's wrestling and things. It, it feels like it's, you know, the, the guy on the way up, the next star, the next guy to maybe go to the UFC against the guy that's been hanging around a long time and maybe hasn't got that opportunity or has got the losses maybe at the wrong time to move there. And he's 34 years of age now uh, against the guy who's 27, you know, so there's that seven years on it. Dylan Azan, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've watched his fights. I know he's fought in uh, FCC outside of uh, Cage Warriors as well on his way up. I'm sure you've watched him since the, the very, very start. Um, 
Or actually, was it was an FCC over in Italy he fought? It, 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 it was FCC, <laughs> but it's not not the one in Bolton. <laughs> not the one in Bolton. But I, I haven't said that. Uh, <laughs> sure could be Lake Como and Bolton. They're very, very similar. You'd mix them up pretty easily. But uh, he's a very good fighter either way, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, first of all, the food's better in Bolton, but uh, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, look, Dylan Hazan, uh, let, let's be honest, he's looked pretty bulletproof, right? Um, the only time he hasn't looked bulletproof was in, in the end of that last round against Reed, uh, where he got all his teeth punched out and his, uh, his corner man was in the cage afterwards having to go around and pick all his teeth up off the cage floor. Um, yeah, dude was a, dude was a lunatic. Um, you know, he, did, he, he, he didn't look phased by it at all. I think it was a big knee that he took from Reed that, that knocked all his teeth out. Um, but yeah, he's, he seemed to maybe have just got a little bit tired from all the wrestling, and that's probably on Reed as well for you know how good he is defensively. Um, so, so again, this for me is one where I really want to see this one in round four and five because uh, we know that Creasy can just go and go and go and go. You know, we saw against um, his fight against Aaron Aby, he was just like a takedown machine, which you know something we've maybe not seen a massive amount of him. Uh, from him before uh, but we know he can strike we know he can land combinations we know his movement is great he can get in and out uh, so the question is early can he keep Dylan Hazan off him because we know if Hazan gets a hold of you you're going to end up on your back and you're going to get punched in the face a lot that's just a matter of fact so can he keep Hazan away from him early on and can he then capitalize later on uh, and for Hazan it's you know it, it's the exact same thing in reverse he needs to be in Sam Creasy's face from the first bell I think uh, the earlier in the fight, the better the chance Dylan Hazan has to get the finish. The later in the fight, the veteran Creasy can pull something crazy out of the books. You know, we know he's got submissions. We know he's got powerful strikes that kind of don't look that powerful, but, you know, can, can send you a bit loopy. So very, very interested to see how this one plays out. I think, you know, we, you know, we talked about the title situation being in the back of Creasy's mind. I think we have to say the same thing for Hazan as well. Um, you know, Cage Warriors uh, are going to Italy at some point this year. Graham Boylan's uh, talked about it on social media. Um, he Surely he's going to have it in the back of his mind. Well, hang on a second. I, I want to be in the main event of that show. I want to be going into that show as Cage Warriors champion. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on social media, um, but uh, Alfredo posted uh, a picture of his local football team and they had a big banner up in the stadium uh, for, his la- for his last fight. So Hazan's got a big following in Italy. Like he's, uh, he's very popular um, over there. So for him to go into an, an Italy show later in the year as Cage Warriors champion, you've got to believe that's in the back of his mind. Every, every night he goes to sleep before this fight. Yeah, and some people rise to that pressure and other people fall. So, we, we, you know, we will see. Uh, I think this is a fight, as you said, I, I think we know who'll win this fight in the first round, to be honest. Because I think if Fazan can go in there and... This is really two guys who like to push forward and who like to take control of the fight. And I think whoever takes control of that fight early will continue to keep it, and it'll, it'll be an interesting one. But as you say, Creasy, you can you can never rule him out of it. We haven't seen that from Hazan yet, basically because he's been, you know, destroying everyone. Um, so, very, very good fun fight. And, uh, you know, one of those fights, one guy maybe gone up and one guy kind of at the top. We'll see who overtakes who. So, a very fun one. The next two fights... I think the the cage is going to have to be reinforced for these ones because there's so much muscle coming into this. Mick Stanton against uh, Darren Stewart and Jim Wallet against uh, Skibinski. It, it feels like a long time since I've thought about the name Jim Wallet and going back <laughs> watching these fights this week. Uh, he hasn't fought since 2019 and, you know, he's fought in the UFC and he's fought in Bellator and he's coming back now to Cage Warriors and he's, you know, he's fought some very, very big names down through the years. 
it, it'll be great to see uh, judo Jim back at Skibinski. You know, this guy, I was so impressed with him. Um, watching his fights, preparing for, obviously, he's fighting against uh, Justin Burlinson at, at the last, uh, at Cage Warriors 135. It's it's going to be a tough matchup between the two of them, but standing against Stewart as well, I think that's another one, two kind of veterans of the scene. So these fights are, these are kind of the, the, the fights that anything could happen in them, I think. What, what's your breakdown of them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's just just quickly on um, on Darren Stewart versus Mick Stanton. I mean, I mean, what more do you want? Like these two guys are just going to go and punch each other's faces in for 15 minutes. It's going to be absolutely great. Um, you know, we know both guys uh, can wrestle a bit as well. Uh, I think that'll probably nullify, cancel each other out. It's a big step up for Stanton. I think that's I think that's fair to say. It's probably probably uh, the best guy he's fought in his in his career so far. Um, Darren Stewart, you know, the results weren't going his way towards the end of that USC run, but you know, he wasn't losing it to just anybody. He was losing to dangerous guys, um, and we know he's dangerous himself. Um, yeah, like I say, like he's going to have a point to prove. It's a real do or die fight for Darren. And I think it is for Mick as well. I think it's probably going to decide Mick's career trajectory as well. So a lot on the line between these two guys. And we, we know both of them in an ideal world would love to just stand in the middle of the cage and throw punches at each other. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, and, you know, having Jim Wallhead back, you know, he, he's fought in the UFC. He's fought in Bellator. He's fought in Bama. He's fought in Cage Warriors. He's fought everywhere. Um, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, he came up through some of the classic Cage Warriors shows back in the day. Um, you know, part of that rough house team with Dan Hardy, Paul Daly, Andre Winner, all those guys. So having Jimmy back for the 20th anniversary is really cool. Um, obviously, it can be interesting to see how he is after three years out of the cage. I know he's had time to let a lot of niggling injuries heal. And I know he feels that the pressure's off him. You know, he, he just he's happy now ending his career kind of where it started. And he's just happy to go out, enjoy himself and, and have fun with no pressure on. Um, and that can make someone like Jimmy a pretty dangerous guy. And from speaking to people who've trained with him and who've watched him train recently, he's looking in fine form. Um, and, and Skibinski, like you say, tough as old boots. You know, he uh, uh, he nearly got Berlinson out of there in that fight. So again, this is one that could go either way. And I think not unreasonable to suggest that the winner of this one might be in the title picture by the end of the year, depending on what's happening with Reese McKee. Definitely, yeah, could be. Um, you see a guy like Jim Wallet who maybe is getting on in years and finding someone as tough and strong as Skiminski, you might say, oh, Jesus, I don't know about that one. But I think Jim is so, such a tough man himself, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Like, I, I don't think anyone's worried about Jim Wallet going into a fight anyway. So he's a, that's uh, a meeting of two rocks in there. So I'm looking forward to that one. The fight I'm looking forward to the most, though, without a shadow of a doubt, Aggie Sardari versus Mike Figlak. What a great fight. This could easily be for the title without a shadow of a doubt. Obviously, Sardari was the guy, you know, until Joe McCulgan came along and beat him. Mike Figlak is arguably the best prospect in cage where he's today. I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, Paul Hughes and a few more will be giving out to me over that. But I think he's really, really good. He's right up there with all of them. I didn't realize Sardari actually had a fight only a few weeks ago outside the Cage Warriors, and he's coming back here again, which I think is really, really good. You know, get that loss over uh, Joe McCulgan, which was a year ago before that as well, out of the way, and come back with this tough fight uh, against Mike Figlak. Like, Sardari is one of those guys who I was sure was on his way to the UFC, honestly. After that Desmond fight, after the Jack Grant fight, Joe McCulgan, it shows what a great fighter he is to, to beat him in such a convincing manner. But, you know, he could be on another run back there as well. But Figlak is another guy who I, I really believe in as a great fighter. You're like, Oban Elliott beat him top 
prospect beat Kieran Lister, beat Stevie McIntosh. There's some. They're the best of the best, like as you can get in cage wars. I I don't know who's going to win this fight. I I think look, Sardari would probably want to take him down at some stage during the fight, but he'd be happy to kickbox with him as well. Figlak I think probably hits harder and is you know a really good boxer if he gets there, but he can fight everywhere. I'm I have no idea who's going to win this fight, and I'm sure it's one you're looking to looking forward to sitting back and and watching and commenting on. You know, this is the kind of fight I joke about it quite a lot. It's the kind of fight that makes me want to call in sick. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd much like I'll just turn up with a fake mustache and some glasses and a hat, and I'll be in the crowd with a few beers watching it. Um, that's yeah, this is the kind of fight that I love Cage Warriors for. You know, it's you've got a guy who's got a lot of experience, but maybe not the biggest name value in, in Sidari, uh, former champion, uh, going up against a surging prospect in Figlak. Like, where, where else are you going to get that kind of fight? Um, Here's the thing, like Sadari, uh, like you say, he fought recently outside the Cage Warriors. He was granted like a one fight um, release to go and fight elsewhere because they just really struggled to get in fights on Cage Warriors. People are not queuing up to fight this guy because you know that win or lose, like, you know, you look at his two title fights uh, against Grant and against Desme, like that that fight with Desme was a war and Sadari came out of it. Like, yes, it was a very close fight, but he came out of it without a scratch on his face. Uh, this is a difficult guy to look good against, win or, win or lose. Uh, so quite rightly, you would say not many people queuing up uh, t- to get stuck in with this guy. Uh, Figlak obviously just doesn't care. He's, uh, you know, him and his brother are cut from the same cloth. They'll fight whoever, whenever. Uh, so as soon as I heard that this fight was was in the works, I knew both guys were going to say yes. Uh, and they have. And what a great fight it's going to be. Look, I'm not going to make any predictions for this one because I think it's absolutely pointless. It's a coin toss. It could, there's a million different ways it could go. You wouldn't be surprised to see Sadari get a submission or Figlak get a crazy knockout or it be a 15-minute bloodbath. You, you just don't know. Um, I, I expect the bookmakers' odds will reflect that when uh, when they go up. I just can't wait to watch it. Yeah, you, you can't make a prediction for that one, but I don't think I can make a prediction for that one either. I don't know who's going to win it. It's a, it's a, it's a really good fight. Uh and it's definitely my most anticipated fight in cage Maybe of the weekend as well. I, I'm a big fan of all of those guys and their styles are really, really good. Uh, God almighty, we could spend an hour talking about this guy and we have to cut, touch on another few fights that are really good as well. Do you know a fight I absolutely love? Jeremy Peatley against Steve Amiable. Peatley was supposed to fight in a, card, uh, a couple of cards ago and I watched a good bit of his fights. I loved his style. You know, he's this... You know, he's 14-9-1, so that, you know, you can kind of read into something about that. He goes out there and he leaves it all out there. He kickboxes, hits really hard, is really good. We know, we all know what Steve Amiable is about. A really, really good fighter. And, you know, there isn't, I don't think there's a massive breakdown either of that one either. It's got to be two lads throwing bombs at each other. And if it goes to the ground, they'll be looking for the finish as well. That's a really, really fun fight. This Tobias Harilla versus Samuel Bark fight as well. I know Harilla was supposed to fight James Hinden again. Is he that? It feels like that fight is absolutely cursed. But you sent me a video there yesterday of Bark, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm sold on this one. We know Harilla. You know, this the walk to the cage is nearly madder than uh, his actual fights himself. Although saying that, his fights are pretty mad as well because he just like walks forward and just destroys guys. Obviously, that's to William Gomez, who has gone on and, you know, been he's a fantastic fighter. He's fighting out in France now, and I'm sure Bellator and the UFC and all will be throwing big money at him to try to get him under uh, the fringe shows going forward. He's an absolute star now as well. That's his only loss in the last while. You know, beat Decky McAleen, and last time I was supposed to fight Pete, he was supposed to fight Hinden. They ended up not happening on the last card, and that mad card, you know, where, where everything kind of went uh, wrong at, at the top. But... It's a it, look. 
it's on short notice and anyone fighting Tobias Rila on short notice is probably not a good thing for him. But it's by no means a walkover. It could be a dangerous fight for Rila too, couldn't it? Well, look, this, there's more to this as well because these two guys actually hate each other. Like they really, really dislike each other. There's some there's some beef going back um, a good few years now, apparently. Uh, Samuel Bark fought one of um, uh, one of Harilla's training partners in his last fight, and there was a lot of trash talk going up to that. And he was, you know, saying he was he was going to smash this guy, uh, and that was the guy who gave uh, Bark his his only uh, pro loss. Um, but there's still been trash talk after that. You know, Harilla's sort of said, right now, now you have to fight Daddy. Um, you know, you, you've already fought my teammate, so Daddy's coming for you now to, uh, you know, to send you to bed, kind of thing. Um, the thing with Samuel Bark is obviously he's, he's four and one as a, as a pro in MMA, but he's got an extensive Thai boxing background. Um, his nickname is uh, Simone Deckers, which is obviously a play on uh, Ramon Deckers, who was a legendary Dutch Thai fighter who uh, who had a really sick nickname himself. He's called the Turbine from Hell. That's the the nickname he had in in, in Japan. Uh, if you ever want to see the most violent highlight you've ever seen watch Ramon Decker's Thai boxing highlight it is brutal um if so if you're going to go around calling yourself after Ramon Decker's you've got to be mustered in the Thai ring and he is he's got a great reputation out in Thailand um from what I understand you know Harilla's going to go and want to slug it out with him on the feet I think Harilla's coach has said let's see if Tobias can uh, you know dial back the crazy and be smart about this and, and, and take his man down but look these two guys are going to want to tear lumps out of each other and um given the personalities involved, I, I, I can't wait to see what happens. Combustible. Yes, there's got to be lumps torn in this <laughs> one. I'll shout out it out. Uh, I can't wait for it. I can't, uh, Jesus, just listening to her, I'm like, God almighty, that's another one. Um, next Gen, big weekend for Next Gen as well, obviously, with, with Paddy and Molly fighting on Saturday, but on Friday, and with Nathan Fletcher uh, and Luke Riley as well. Nathan Fletcher 6-1, Luke Riley 3-0 fighting Simon Kelvin, Nathan Fletcher fighting um, Margarian, Big weekend for that, Jim. Very, very interesting to see both of those guys. Will Curry is back here again. Uh, you could tell me the name he's upon. Naglas Canis Guskas. Uh, I'm going to go say it there. but Canis Guskas. Canis Guskas. I'm a big fan of Will Curry. Obviously, he lost you know, the, the, the fights to the champ. Uh, uh, Christian Neri Duncan would have come back with two very, very impressive wins there. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he comes back here as well. We've Kingsley Crawford, who I'm a great fan of as well, against uh, Reese McEwen, Sam Spencer, against uh, Adam Amasinger and Leonor Kavanaugh as well, who a lot of people are talking about as the next guy coming through. He's fighting uh, Ander Sanchez. But I fight, uh, you could touch on any of them ones as well, but Jesse Holland versus Maddox Flamina. Like this is here, and I'm I'm just looking at it. It's kind of uh, I'm sure the the, the exact uh, lineup of the card isn't there yet, but it looks to me as like it's stuck in the middle of the prelims here. This could be this could be a main event. This could really it, be a main event. Hundred percent. You know that 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 was one I was going to kind of bring up because it do, it does feel like that one's kind of going a little bit under the radar. Like, uh, Holland is right up there in title contention as far as I'm concerned, and if he beats Flaminas, he's he's without a doubt in with a shot. Um, you know, I would love Cage Warriors to go back to Scandinavia. We've had some great shows out there. And, uh, you know, a Holland, you'd think, would be a great champion at 170 uh, pounds. Uh, Maddus Flaminas, super dangerous guy, coming off a big win against Oban Elliott. Uh, really, really awkward on the ground and on the feet. Uh, a Holland, just absolutely relentless as a grappler. You know he's going to be shooting double leg from, from the first bell. I think that's going to be a great fight. Uh, and as you say, big weekend for next gen as well. Nate, big fight for Nathan Fletcher coming back from his... Uh, 
from his first opportunity at the Cage Warriors title against a very, very experienced guy. I mean, that's an Ian Dean special, a guy with 35 fights that I've never heard of before. Um, so looking looking forward to that one. Um, yeah, and as you say, like, you know, I, I think obviously, you know, I'm a bit biased, but I, I think with maybe one or two exceptions, nearly every fight on this card could be the co-main event of any card in Europe. Like, it is, it is that stacked. Um, you know, they, Ian Dean and Graham and the gang really have gone all out for this 20th anniversary. Uh, I think for anyone who hasn't got the ticket yet, I believe there's a few left. Get down there. It's going to be a huge weekend in London and it's going to be a, a memorable night at Cage Warriors. 100%. And I'm just looking here as well. There's 15 fights in the card at the moment. Obviously, we were recording this a bit earlier, so I'm sure, you know, maybe one or two will fall off. Touch wood, there'll be none fall off. But the top two could fall off and this would still be a brilliant card. You know, it's, it's one of those ones. I, re- I really mean that. And that you could, even for the UFC or Peloton or, you know, you know anywhere, that's not always the case these days. But I remember I, I was ta- I was talking to you, but also someone else from Cage Warriors, and they were like, "It's uh, the, for the last few cards. Like it's hard to get anyone on these cards because everyone wants to fight in this London card, you know." And it feels like almost everyone has got on, and I'm sure uh, apart from the lads who are injured and the the lads that maybe didn't beg Ian Dean hard enough to, to, to get on the card, you know, send him an old hamper or something to get on it. But God, what he has on it is is absolutely amazing, and you know, it's. Someone's going to emerge from this as a, as a star. Like I, I think. It, uh, look, if Figlak beats Ardari, uh, look, I think Ardari is one of those fighters that, as you said, people might don't know him that well, but this guy is unbelievable. And the fact when Joe Col- Joe McCulligan beat him, I couldn't have been more impressed. And if Figlak does the same. I'll be unbelievably impressed. Like if Dylan is on at eight and zero, both of those, what's Figlak? Figlak is. Uh, let me just look here. He's seven and zero. Dylan Hazan eight and all. Let's let's say if both of those guys win, go you know obviously you know Hazan will be the champion, but he'll be undefeated nine and all. Figlak surely like coming up to be next in line at one fifty five, and his brother as well. I'm sure on the way as well, probably looking at Reese McKee on, in the way class above. It it really could be a star making night for for either of those guys, and you know I'm sure Harilla will have something to say as well about the the, the title picture, and you know that there's there's. Uh, Listen, so can, can you can you imagine if something if something happens with one of the guys in the lightweight title fight? You know who's going to have his hand up first, right? Harilla's going to be right there. There'll be a few of them, I'd say. Yeah, Harilla <laughs> will be. But we'll have Figlak. We'll probably have Sardari. Well, yeah. I don't. I don't want to tempt fakes. Obviously, last time we were in London, we had that crazy situation where we ended up with like six fights because everyone got sick or injured like on, on fight week. Um, and, and again, Harilla Harilla kind of stepped up to save the day. Um, I just, I just think that I, I really hope nothing happens to any of the guys in the in the title fights. But I think if they do, Harilla's going to be uh, looking to come out of London with a cage warrior's belt on uh, his shoulder. Is there a human being on planet Earth you uh, not like to have? Uh, coming in the short notice to fight you compared to Harilla, probably not. I, I can't think of many worse than that. One forty-five or one fifty-five, anyway. But what a card! What a weekend! What a twenty years it's been for Cage Warriors. It's been a privilege to uh, uh, you know to, to watch from afar and watch up close a couple of times as well, and to listen to your commentary and the other lads as well, and watch all the great fighters like uh, you know the thirty lads we just talked about, but also you know the the, the, the McGregor's and the, you know and the Daniel series and all the guys down through the years have done uh, great stuff in Cage Warriors. So. Uh, congratulations to yourself and Graham Boyle and Ian Dean and all the people for having a great 20 years and here's to, to 20 more years of Cage Warriors as well because you know everyone can give out about different promotions and different things as well but 
do cage warriors I think you, if you're giving out too much about them you're probably giving out about nothing so uh, congratulations to cage warriors in 20 years congratulations on a great card coming up as well I'm looking forward to this Friday night and thank you very much Brad for joining me as always here uh, to preview that lovely card if you want to follow him go over on Twitter and do it what is it at MMA Brad 4 isn't that it or am I going mad uh, at MMA Brad 48 48 I always get it wrong I always, I always seem to get that one wrong you'll find him over there anyway Tune in to Cage Warriors next Friday night, UFC Fight Pass. We leave it there. My name is Sean Sheehan for Shardog.com, and I'll see you all next time.